This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider, the podcast that's all about the geeky stuff happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about it. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is the phenomenal Jonathan Strickland. I had nothing thematic for you this week. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay, Ariel. Uh, All I was going to say is, I'm a hungry, hungry hippo. Oh, then... uh, and with me, as always, is Hungry Hungry Hippo, nom nom, Jonathan Strickland. Hey, Ariel, I got a yeah. question for you. So here's your question, and it is thematic with my nickname for this week, okay. which is, uh, what, what is a, because for those who do not know, Ariel uh, enjoys baking um, and yes. has been known to bake, uh, you know, stuff that, that overlaps with the geek sphere. So can you tell us about something you've either created or you've eaten that falls into the realm of geekdom? Doesn't have to be your favorite, just, you know, a fun example. Well, I did one recently for Thanksgiving, but I don't remember the name of the actor. I had to make in two and a half hours uh, a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, maybe it was Paul Giamatti face cookies. Um I <laughs> I think I didn't win the contest. There were some that were way better than mine, but it was a fun exercise. Um I think for me um there are there are two. One, I made a 
a cookie cake with the face of Wilfred Brimley on it. Um, if you don't know who he is, uh, he's he's a deep deep cut. Um, he's, he's, did it, uh, did unfortunately, it, did no it cause there. diabetes? Well, it was for my friend's cookie con birthday, so uh, probably. Um, but someone said you can't make a cake with the face of Wilfred Brimley, and I said, "Watch me." So I mixed up a bunch of uh, frosting colors, and it turned out pretty great. Um, I did not make the cookie cake though; I just decorated it. Uh, the other thing I did was I. So I used to LARP a game where I played basically like um, a barbarian, like a Scandinavian barbarian, sort of a character, and I teamed up with some Vikings. At, Essentially, fantasy versions of both. And, um, not barbarians, already fantasy. And I made a mint chocolate cake with, out of like one of those Think Geek cake molds that's shaped like a dragon. And I frosted it so it had like all these different color eggs and different like colors on the wings and scales and played with like the cake texture. And I, uh, because the, the Vikings, like, god in that game was, like, a frost, an ice dragon. So I made mm. that thematic cake uh, for a uh, in-game party that was held. Um, and I was really, really proud of it. I have it on, like, my Facebook. Maybe I'll share it on Insta um, if people are interested in seeing those. What about you, Jonathan? Have you ever baked or cooked anything geeky? Uh, I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm more of a cook than a baker. Baking is a science and I'd say cooking is an art. Uh, and, um, uh, which is just a way of saying with cooking, you've got a lot more wiggle room to mess around with measurements and stuff before things go really south. And with baking, (laughs) if you do that, things go south fast. Um, so I, but for me, like it was more about things I've encountered and uh, I encountered geeky stuff early. My parents are both science fiction and fantasy authors. They're both geeks themselves. And when uh, when my sister and I were little kids, my mom would pull out all the stops to make crazy birthday cakes, like crazy homemade, home-decorated birthday cakes. And you got to keep in mind, both my sister and myself, we are summer babies. Like we had birthdays in the summer when it was hard to get people (laughs) to come to your birthday because, you know, it was outside the school year. So you never really saw anyone. And um, I I get it. I'm a December birthday. So same. Yes. Yeah. So Ariel, Ariel gets lumped in with uh, the holidays and I get forgotten which is fine. Uh, Water (laughs) under the bridge. But mom made um, once made for me a Kermit the Frog birthday cake. Oh, nice. An amazing Kermit the Frog birthday cake. That is nice. So uh, I'm envious. I've never had it. Sorry. I'm also trying to take a screenshot so people can see how goofy we look, but uh, it's not working. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the, uh, the cool thing is that my mom would do stuff like she'd make these crazy cakes and she was also big into creating costumes for my sister and myself. So mm-hmm. I grew up just totally immersed in in geekdom from a very early age. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I I would have loved. I, I'm gonna have to look at a picture of that mm-hmm. dragon cake. You'll have to send it to me since oh. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I don't um, use that or cake. Instagram. I'm I'm gonna put it on. Oh, you're not on Instagram anymore. Not anymore, no. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I, I need to put more use to that cake pan. So maybe when we finally play your, your D&D game, I will bring a dragon cake. 
Yes. Before we started recording, I was telling Ariel that uh, I had been working on the D&D, the background for the D&D campaign. Wow. I'm going to be running, hopefully, you know, within a few months, yeah. assuming that we get to a stage where people are comfortable hanging out together again. I don't want to do it over Zoom if I don't yeah. have to. No, I'm, I've, um, I've, I've played some tabletops over Zoom. It's it's not bad, but it's not as good as in person. Um, and, you know, I kind of did make that your, your unwilling uh, New Year's resolution for you. So you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, well, I like it. So we wanted to start off with a shout out to a listener who sent in some fun trivia that re- relates to the last episode we did. Yeah. So if you listen to the last episode, you know that we did uh, Golden Girls as half of our mashup uh, to kind of honor, I guess, to acknowledge the passing of Betty White. And uh, one of our listeners, Andy, re- uh, reached out to us and told us that there was um, a little bit more meaning to the St. Olaf trope in the show, where Rose is from, uh, than maybe the general layperson would know, which is that a lot of the writers of the show were from a college in Minnesota called Carlton, Carleton, I'm not entirely sure, C-A-R-L-E-T-O-N, and that their rival, our listener's alma mater, is St. Olaf, and so they wrote in jokes about uh, St. Olaf being kind of silly as as sort of like a little inside dig, um, which just makes it so much more fun, you know? Yeah, it, it makes me think like, I mean, I don't, I went to a college that had a rival school. Uh, I went to University of Georgia. Their big rival is Georgia Tech. And I know for a fact that Georgia Tech had tons and tons of jokes that essentially said that UGA students are total idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm living proof. So there you, you go. are not a total idiot. Also, I will say, like, the St. Olaf fight song is pretty banging. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks, Andy, uh, for listening and for writing in. Uh, we love yeah, that. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, So our next story is that Disney has made the decision that uh, Turning Red, the next Pixar film, is not going to go to theaters. It's it was scheduled to come out in theaters on March 11th. It will not be going to theaters. It will instead go straight to Disney Plus. And I think that's an interesting choice because obviously they could do what a lot of studios have done, which is hold off and just Mm -hmm. push back the 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 theatrical debut and just hold on to the film. Uh, but they decide not to do that. Or they could even do what they've done in the past, like what they did with Black Widow, where they release it simultaneously in theaters and on streaming. Didn't they do um, that with Encanto they, as well? Yes. Uh, no, uh, Encanto, Encanto, I think they, they held back and they launched it like a month after it had already mm. been in theaters. But... Gotcha. Um, uh, I say yes, because I just watched Encanto and it's all that I can think of because <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda writes songs that get genetically branded into my brain. <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyway, uh, the turning red, which is a, a movie about a young, uh, young woman who, uh, or a girl really, who, when she gets stressed out, turns into a giant red panda, um, and that's all we really know about it. Cause there was a teaser that essentially that's what we saw where her mom stresses her out when she's at school and she, she goes through her transformation. Um, yeah. looks cute, but yeah, interesting choice. Like I feel that 
not pushing people to theaters is probably the most responsible thing to do. Uh, however, I also completely understand the business side of things where if you choose to go straight to the streaming model, it means you are willingly sacrificing a large amount of revenue that otherwise I, would have come to that film. I agree. It, it is definitely a mixed bag. I hope th- I'm, I am certain after the uh, whole uh, upheaval in, in uh, profit distribution that happened after Black Widow that Disney is keeping that in mind as they release this to home video. Again, I think it's socially responsible right now. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to keep that in mind when they look at the success of this movie and, and the money that it makes and, and how it's distributed to actors. Um because you can't, you just, yeah. it's not, it's not apples to apples, you know? Right. And, and you know, I, I have frequently said on this show and elsewhere that uh, I am of the opinion that it's irresponsible to go to a theater, at least for me. I'm not going to project that onto anyone else, but that I don't feel comfortable doing that yet. However, at the same time, I want to acknowledge that I do feel that I'm missing out on a big part of the experience of seeing some of these movies. Like, like Encanto is a great example. I watched Encanto at home, loved it, uh, or at least enjoyed it. We'll talk about that more yeah. later, possibly. <laughs> but but I, I have a feeling that a lot of that would have made a much more impact on a big screen with like, you know, ultra high resolution yeah. projector and all that kind yeah. of stuff where the colors really pop. Because I have a TV that's an older TV. It's not like a 4K or anything like that. So I definitely feel like I missed out. And there's some movies that I still haven't seen Spider-Man cough, cough, because (laughs) I haven't gone to the theaters. Um, And I also miss the crowd experience of where you're in a crowd of people who are really into the movie that's playing. mm -hmm. Like that's just not happening. I haven't had that for two years now. Would you, so there are a lot of elements that I miss. Would you go to a theater that was rented, rented out with a small group of people that, you know, uh, at this point in time, probably not simply because so many people I know, have caught COVID. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and these are careful people. These are people who have been vaccinated and boosted. And it just tells me that it, it, it just tells me that really the safest thing to do is to just keep on staying home for now to do my part, to make sure that I'm not contributing to the spread. And there's no judgment on the folks who've caught it because again, these are people who are careful and in many cases had no option but to go out. Mm-hmm. Like that's what their job was. They had to or else they weren't going to yeah. make any money and you know, everything falls apart. So yeah. no judgment there. But yeah, I just, particularly right now as we're getting toward what we hope will be the peak of Omicron mm-hmm. and we don't know what comes next, I would rather hold off. Same reason why I won't be playing D and D next weekend or anything. You know, I get that. I get that. You could, you could, you know, if tests are available, have people test and or isolate if they can before playing. I realize not everybody has that option like you or I, um, I, I look forward to watching turning red, going back to our story. Um, yes. And I, I also enjoyed Encanto. I didn't, I don't have a 4k TV, but they are, you know, they're nice TVs, but there there is definitely something lacking. Like, you know, if you go into a theater and there's more music, like you've got that swell of like the Dolby sound system, then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe then you would just like be vibrating Lin-Manuel Miranda all the time. Uh, that that sounds wrong. So I'm going to move on to our next story. Um, <laughs> yes. Which, which is we got a trailer for Peacock's Bel Air reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. 
Yeah, and uh, and it's it's got a totally different tone as opposed to the lighthearted sitcom of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. This looks like it's going to be much more dramatic and much more focused on things like figuring out who you are, figuring out your identity within a community. The it looks to me like there's going to be a lot of black identity uh, stories that play out. Things like what is the black identity? And uh, I see a lot of potential for wrestling with that as you see this character who's coming from from uh, uh, urban Philadelphia and moved into this ultra rich household and the conflict that's there, the inherent conflict that's there and the, the identity crisis that arises because of that. And all of this sounds like way heavier than what you saw, at least on the surface level of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, so about two years ago, we actually got a fan trailer of a a gritty reboot of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and it looked really, really cool, and I was like, I would be in for that. So I'm definitely going to watch this. That being said, um, having rewatched the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air more recently, because every once in a while, I just do it, just it... You know, it still dealt with some serious issues, but it was it was a sitcom. It was a 90s, 90s sitcom, 2000s yes. sitcom, um, 90s. you know, so it definitely had had that that vibe to it and that humor to it. I hope that this show has some levity. You know, a lot of the characters seem more um, from the brief, brief introduction we get in them of them in the trailer seem more uh, like polished and serious, but you know, Jabari Banks plays Will. Uh, he is from Philadelphia, uh, which is cool. Um, and he, he seems to still have that same, you know, uh, Will vibe from the original show, like that. I, I am who I am um, sort of identity. Uh, so I, I'm excited about giving it a chance. Yeah. I actually, felt the trailer was really intriguing. Mm -hmm. I I actually, I did what you're never supposed to do. I read the comments under the trailer. You know, I feel like a lot of people. Yeah, I know. But I I feel like a lot of people were um, unreasonably harsh on it. And I actually think it looks intriguing. And uh, yeah, I mean, and it's interesting, too, because we're getting these stories, right? We're getting like the Wonder Years reboot, um, which is so good. And it's like we're, we're getting these stories where, and we, you know, before that we had like Atlanta, Glover's Atlanta, mm-hmm. where we're getting these stories that wouldn't really get a chance to be told just five, ten years ago. Yeah. And you know, Ariel, uh, originally we had one more story in this segment. I'm going to push it to the next segment right now because we're running a little long and uh, we're going to take a quick break. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. All right, we're back. And when Jonathan said he was pushing the next story to the next segment, I closed my tab on it. Uh, but it is reopen. Um, so this is a timely announcement, um, both because of when this show publishes versus when we record it, and also because uh, the time frame for what we're about to tell you is super, super short. But last year, Marvel Comics let readers vote on which character they would like to become a member of the official X-Men team. Um, and they're doing it again this year. Uh, and so from January 10th, which is a day before we recorded this episode on Tuesday, January 11th, until, uh, if you're listening to this, the day the episode comes out, till 11.59 tonight, you can go and vote on which 
uh, X-Man, you want to join their crew. You can go to marvel.com slash X-Men vote to see the the participants. Is that the right word? The candidates. The candidates uh, and a little bit about them. And then you can vote. Yeah, uh, the little bit about them I found not too helpful in a few cases where I'm like, I don't even know what this character's power is. Uh, yeah, most of their like powers penance. appear to be identical, which is they're very strong and they're hard to kill. And I'm like, well, oh, I see where that's handy. Uh, but you know, it's, a lot of them seem to have a lot of overlap with their powers. Yeah, well, and like one of my favorites, and it's just because of the art style, is Bling. Uh, art style and because Bling has an exclamation point at the end of the name. So the name is officially Bling exclamation point, uh, which she possesses a diamond hard body um mm-hmm. which is kind of like you know the white queen so it's not even super super original yeah emma but, frost yeah that character yeah um well i, I mean like a lot it. of the a lot of the mutants tend to have like overlap powers anyway but um out of all the character designs i thought the first one i forget her name armor i thought she was the yeah i thought she was the most uh interesting in my opinion, but then I'm also not fully invested in the X-Men world. So that's, uh, you know, it's, I, I'm leaving it to, for other people to vote. Um, mm-hmm. because I feel like, uh, I, I just, I feel like I don't have enough knowledge about the candidates to make an informed decision. I mean, it's not a super, Im- I mean, I would, <laughs> I would not say it's a super important decision. So you could vote on whatever, metric appeals to you um i do really like Ariel, this is this is gonna this is gonna determine the next year in the life of one of these fictional characters i mean but i really like that choose your own adventure style of of character development like who we have too many characters who are we gonna focus on um i i really like that uh i look forward you, to i you know what really curious about who's gonna vote for what you know what this reminds me of though right what a long time ago dc did this thing where they let readers of Batman vote whether or not the Joker would kill Robin Mm. famously. This is the Jason Todd version of Robin. Ah. And, and of course, famously the readers voted for Jason Todd to die. And so he was beaten to death with a crowbar, which of course eventually got retconned because everything in comics does eventually. But for a long time, uh, that was like, one of those benchmark moments in comic books. And that happened uh, many, many, many moons ago. Yeah. But this isn't, this isn't letting people choose between good or evil. As far as I understand, all of these characters are pretty, at least chaotic, neutral, if not good. Well, at, at least, at least one of them was a former member of the brotherhood of evil mutants. So, <laughs> Oh, well, but former avalanche avalanche former. was, well, no, it says yeah. long, well, long standing, but he killed the Reds. Oh, he was killed? Killed by the Red Skull. See, I told oh. you, nothing's permanent in comics, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. Like, they, they could have this character voted into the X-Men in the next issue. They could be killed off, and then they put in whoever they really wanted. Not that I'm saying that your vote doesn't count. <laughs> your vote totally counts. And you know what? Deadpool is kind of a villain sometimes, too. So he's an anti-hero. I would say Avalanche is probably an anti-hero. Okay. Maybe. Well, uh, someone who, depending upon your point of view, I would argue could also be an anti-hero is Scott Pilgrim. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, he's not. He's not the best person. He's no. He is a bad person. 
and he gets called out on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's Scott Pilgrim, obviously it's a, so that was a, a graphic novel series, uh, more than a decade ago now mm-hmm. that got very popular, popular enough so that Edgar Wright made a movie adaptation, um, many years ago. I actually have a movie poster of it, uh, in my office. Uh, it's, it's facing me right now. It's signed by Edgar Wright. You and I and, um, and our loved ones went to the premiere for that in the Q and A. Yeah. Which oh, was fun. It was so fun. That was a lot of fun. That's where you learned uh, that Jason Schwartzman, who played the villain, wore a lady's underwear as a part of his character development. He kept a secret yeah, to everybody. He re- well, he tried. He revealed that. <laughs> he revealed that in the Q&A. Or yeah. that was revealed in the Q&A, I should say. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, Netflix is now going to be bringing an anime series of Scott Pilgrim to the streaming service, which uh, will be able to tell the story in a more complete way. Cause obviously the movie two hour film, you're condensing a ton of stuff to get it all into a movie form factor. So I, I'm imagining that the anime series is going to let things play out a lot more than what we saw in the film. I, I would have to think so. I I'm very curious about whether they're keeping the graphic novel style, um, which is, is kind of very chibi ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because the artist, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, the artist creator of Scott Pilgrim, is executive producing and writing it. Um, and then the showrunner is Ben David Grabinski, uh, who did the revival of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, and then also uh, the group behind the Umbrella Academy is working on it, which I think is perfect. Like Umbrella Academy is exactly the right kind of aesthetic and storytelling for Scott Pilgrim, I would think. Yeah. So will be interesting to see uh know that play out. I, I definitely want to see it. Like I liked the movie. Uh, I only ever read some of the graphic novels. I, I actually, I think I own one of them, but, uh, <laughs> but obviously it's not something that I got super invested in, not like bone. So, uh, I didn't yeah. collect all the issues or anything, but yeah, I'm, I'm eager to see how that plays out. Uh, it, it's, I, I still really like the movie, me too. But I also feel like the movie can exist as its own thing. Oh, right. Like 100%. I was not familiar with the comics until after the movie and I quite enjoyed, still enjoy the movie. I watched it over the Thanksgiving holiday uh, with some friends, you know, nice. I hope that Scott Pilgrim and Bone do better than Cowboy Bebop did on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Although apparently over a hundred thousand people have signed the petition to bring it back. So maybe we'll get it back. I enjoyed what I watched. I haven't finished it yet. Yeah. I mean, fans have brought back, series before. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's time that we have a chat about a couple okay. of movies that okay. I, I finally watched. And one of which was Encanto, which we, we referenced, which I also um, finally watched last night. What'd you think? Um, I really liked it. It, it kind of felt like the story was just a vehicle for the songs, but I also kind of liked the, So in Kanto, the songs all like change style with each singer. It almost feels like um, mm-hmm. each family member, which makes it very rock opera y. And I, I quite enjoyed that. Um, and I, going through the movie, I was like, okay, yeah, it's a it's a Pixar, it's a Pixar movie about family. And then at the end, it kind of hit me with like just community upholding each other and and that you don't have to be perfect. Um, and I was like, all of a sudden I'm like, yeah. man, it's dusty in here. Why is this hitting me so hard? This movie was just like, okay. Until I got to the end. I, um, I felt, so I'm not going to give too many spoilers here. Oh, I hope but I, I didn't. felt like the, 
I don't think so. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, but I should point out it's a Disney film, not a Pixar film. But oh, um, sorry. No, it's okay. It's just a technicality, which we all know technically correct is the best kind of correct. No, um, I, 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 the music was all variations on musical styles from Colombia, which I think was great. I think yes. that was fantastic. Yes. Um, uh, there's so much I want to talk about, but first of all, we don't talk about Bruno, so. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. Um, it's so hard. But I know, right? But uh, I felt that the resolution of the movie came so quickly after the like big confrontation that prompts the resolution that I, I felt like it was uh, like it was a movie that was 95% lead up and then just 5% payoff. Oh. And I would have liked that balance to be a little closer to maybe 85, 15, maybe because I, I just felt like, I felt like this is all leading somewhere. It's all leading somewhere. Then you have a big emotional scene immediately followed by resolution. And I just felt that it, 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 it felt un, un, unbalanced. So I, I feel exactly the opposite way. And maybe it's because I watched too much TikTok about it. Like I had the song stuck in my head two weeks before I watched this ding dang movie. Um, and I felt like five minutes into the movie, after the opening song, maybe even during the opening song, but definitely after the opening song, like, I, I felt like within, like, the first five, ten minutes of the movie, we had the the confrontation and the problem, and the entire rest of the movie was resolution. It felt, it felt very, like, chase scene to me. Like, see, whereas I felt like, so it, we can talk about this part because it's referenced in the previews for the movie, which mm -hmm. is that I'm assuming you're saying that the problem is the fact that uh, Mirabelle, the main character, does not have a magical gift, whereas the rest of her family does. I mean, that's not, I knew that going in. And and again, maybe maybe it's because I was more familiar with the story and, and some of the the hurdles that the characters face before going in because of everybody's dissection of it on TikTok, um, which I doom scroll late at night sometimes. Um, but no, I, I, like from the moment everything starts going wrong, like the second, second song in the movie, like is after I feel like the confrontation happens. Like it's, it's pretty early on at the family dinner. I feel like is when it happens. See, I, I feel like, so the, the confrontation I'm talking about is where our protagonist Mirabelle makes her thoughts clear to the person whom, and again, not doing spoilers. She makes her thoughts clear to the person whom she views as being the reason things are the way they are, which had not happened up to that point. Right? Like, well, but it, it was more of solving a mystery well, up to that. But point. it did. She confronted her. Uh, at her youngest sibling's essentially bar mitzvah. Uh, no, she didn't. Conf I, see, or I the disagree. family dinner. I, I feel like they had confrontations at both of those times. I disagree. I felt like it wasn't a confrontation so much as Mirabelle was trying to be heard and she was getting shut down well, because she was being too passive to for it to be a real confrontation. Um, anyway, uh, I, I <laughs> overall, I enjoyed the movie. I just felt like there that it had an unsatisfying resolution to me simply because the way the momentum of the film went, I thought all the music was great. I thought all the songs were great. 
Um, quick question to you before mm. we wrap this up, which is who was your favorite character? Uh, probably Bruno. I like Dolores. I, She's the one who can hear things. It's hard. I also like Dolores. I also, I, I like them all. I like them all. I like Camillo. I like them all. Um, it's yeah, I don't have a favorite, but you know, Bruno's just ridiculous cause it's John Leguizamo. So, um, you're lucky that we're running long today, Jonathan, because we were going to talk about matrix and how you actually ended up liking it. And you're going to have to eat just a little bit of like retcon crow. To be fair. I want to, I want to, <laughs> I want to clear, I want to clear my name here. Or as, as my friend Shay would say, to be fair, because she loves a uh, letter, Kenny, mm-hmm. the, uh, the the thing I liked about The Matrix Resurrections, which I did finally watch, was not the movie. It didn't the movie did not I didn't like the movie. Like I didn't like <laughs> the story of the movie. I liked the meta level of dissection and commentary about the original Matrix films. That to me was fascinating. The fact that Matrix Resurrections is has two different stories going on. You've got the surface level story of the movie, and then you have not even I wouldn't even call it subtext because they are they overtly talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but then you have like the more meta discussion about the original Matrix films, particularly the first one and their impact on pop culture and filmmaking. Like all those things get played out See, within the context of the film. But that's a big part of the film. So to say that you like that is to say that you like at least half the movie. Well, except that if you look at it as you want to tell what the story (laughs) of Matrix Resurrections is, like you want to actually talk about what the characters do. It's a far simpler story that's boring as heck. It's just a boring story. I I think all of it together is a a bigger story. I I think it works way better than the pseudo philosophical jibber jabber that the previous trilogy lumped in like where everything was uh, uh, a thinly veiled philosophical discussion that I never thought really worked. I'm glad that's not what this latest movie was. This latest film is more of a weird dissection of what the original films did and how sad the (laughs) Lana Wachowski is for what happened. (laughs) Like, Like, I get the feeling she looks at the film and says, man, I wish that hadn't happened because I don't like how things have unfolded since then. There's, there's like a lot of critique mm-hmm. of not just the movies, but how people reacted to them. I, I thought that was super interesting. There were parts of the movie I really liked. There were some concepts they really had, like programs being able to be outside the matrix. Spoiler. Sorry, people. Um, but uh, I should put that before I say the spoiler. Double sorry, people. Yeah. But um but I, it made it very confusing and hard to follow for a good portion of the beginning of the movie, and I found that distracting. I do think it's interesting that you enjoyed it more than you anticipated, and I enjoyed it less than I anticipated, because I feel like usually it's the other way around. Well, again, I liked it more for what it was saying rather than what it was doing. <laughs> okay, there's no shame <laughs> like in when liking you, it. If you're well, except <laughs> I don't like the movie. Like... I like what the movie was about rather than liking the movie. It's such a weird thing, like to not like the movie, but to like what the movie was about. It is mm-hmm. it's, concept, but for not those execution. who don't work for those who don't work in, in files where you have to fill out meta information about the file so that you can classify it properly. 
this won't mean anything. But for anyone who's worked in any kind of metadata, it's like if you found the metadata about a file more interesting and important than the file itself. That's what it's like. And that's kind of how I look at Matrix Resurrections, where the meta is really interesting and the movie's just kind of uh, there. Gotcha. Well, uh, that was a fun conversation. It was more heated than normally we get. Uh, and thank you for only, being only because I, I I'm looking at the clock right now and I'm seeing how far over 30 minutes we are. Well, it's and okay. I'm my mashup about how Tari's going to get on us. My mashup's real short. Uh, so that'll <laughs> make real up long. some of the time. Uh, and with that, we're going to go to a quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Okay, Ariel, let's talk about the things that prompted this mashup. One of which, like last week, 
is a sad story. Obviously, last week we were talking about the passing of Betty White. We have another uh, beloved figure in pop culture who passed away this week. Yes, and that is uh, Bob Saget, who uh, I most famously knew as Danny Tanner on Full House. He was also the narrator on How I Met Your Mother. He also had a long-standing stand-up career, which was very, very dirty. Like, <laughs> if you like Full House, it doesn't mean you can listen to his stand-up. Yeah, he he infamously had one of the most filthy renditions of the classic joke, The Aristocrats. That's the punchline, by the way, The Aristocrats. The setup for that is uh, always going to be uh, horrifyingly yes. filthy. Don't. And Bob Saget had one of the most disturbing versions of it you've ever heard. I, I would agree. Anyhow, he passed away at 65. Uh, they, We don't know the cause of death, but it doesn't seem like there were any drugs or foul play, which is sad, but I'm glad that it wasn't either of those yeah. things at the same time. He was at, he was in Florida. He was uh, at the beginning of a, a stand-up comedy tour mm-hmm. and, in fact, had performed the night before. Uh, he passed away. Yeah. So yeah, this was uh this was a, a, a shock. We're seeing lots of tributes pour in from comedians who all have the same thing to say, which is that he had a dark sense of humor. He had a filthy mouth and he was the nicest person they knew. You know, that's, I, I 100% believe that I, I, I have read over the past few days that he did a lot of goodwill type stuff. And yeah, it was just a very generous, kind person. Uh, The other story that we have, or the other thing we're mashing up is Ant-Man, because in a recent interview, Bill Murray said that he was going to be in the new Ant-Man movie and that he was playing a villain. Now, the way that Marvel plays with their facts about their movies, I don't know if we can believe that. And the way that Bill Murray uh, is very tongue-in-cheek about many things, I don't know if we can believe it. But it well, and to be specific, to be specific, he said he was at, well, he was asked the question, what's your superpower? And he says, I'm a bad guy. That's my superpower. So from that, it's even possible that he plays a completely normal person who's just an antagonist within the film, right? He could yeah. be someone who's standing in the way of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp getting something done. He doesn't have to necessarily be a supervillain. Everyone is just assuming that's what's going to happen. I mean, uh, he could be. And, and it might. He could be just some random cameo guy who walks into a coffee shop that Paul Rudd is also at, orders a coffee, drinks it, says this tastes bad, throws it in the barista's face, and we never see him again. Yeah, and that would be a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so let's let's all let's all take a grain of salt here. <laughs> But yes, we decided that we're going to mash up Full House, the uh, the property for which Bob Saget was perhaps most famously associated with, and um, and Ant Man. Yes. So we both have have Ant Man Full House uh, mashups. Yes, and, and um, I'm gonna go first. Go ahead. Uh, you you want me to go first? No, right? I'm gonna go first. You're gonna go first. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let me keep an eye on the time. You go. Okay, so this is uh, called Dantman, uh, and fun fact, apparently when I try to mix Full House and Ant-Man together, it equals Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay, so <laughs> Danny Tanner was super excited. He had booked the best guest for his show, 
Hank Pym of Pym Technologies as a part of the cutting edge segment of his show, Wake Up San Francisco. Get it? Because Ant-Man and Full House both take place in San Francisco, at least for a good part of it. Anyhow, Michelle, Danny's youngest daughter, had recently become super interested in science, and it was a way for him to look extra cool to her. At the time of the segment, Hank Pym brought out his amazing portable shrink ray with the intention of shrinking Danny's coffee, but he tripped over Mr. Woodchuck, who Joey was supposed to have cleared from the set and didn't, and bumped the ray and it hit Danny. And Danny Tanner went up in a puff of smoke. Hank Pym feared the worst. The ray hadn't ever worked on a live subject before, Danny wasn't wearing any Pym protection, and smoke was not even a normal outcome of the shrinking. They called for Danny to see if he was alive but could hear no answer. Pym took out a magnifying glass and searched, but no luck. So he packed up his particle beam and headed to the Tanner household to deliver the bad news. When he got there, it was too late. The whole family had watched the segment and were devastated. They tried to adjust to the new life with their uncle dads instead of their real, like, dad-dad, but it was rough. DJ kept staying out super late with her boyfriends. Steph started stealing DJ's belongings, and Michelle wouldn't even clean her room, which, if Danny were around, would be completely egregious to him. The Funkles fun uncles, tried to get the girls to straighten up and fly right, but to no avail. But then something strange ha- started happening. About a month after Danny's untimely accident, you see, DJ would be on the doorstep making out with her boyfriend, and bugs, or what they assumed were bugs, would start attacking her boyfriend and biting him until he just ran off in pain. He couldn't see him, but he assumed they were bugs. And then items Stephanie was stealing from DJ would end up back in DJ's room without Stephanie returning them to her, which was really annoying to Stephanie because she wanted the attention. And then Michelle's room started getting cleaner and cleaner every day, but like only by tiny increments. But then it wasn't just Michelle's room. It was the whole house. And the family began to wonder if it was Danny's ghost coming back to watch over them or bother them or clean up after them. One of those. Until one day, the family called a meeting to discuss the strange occurrences. As they tried to discuss what was going on, they got into a fight, and that's when a penny flew at Uncle Jesse's head. Have mercy, he cried. But the force didn't have mercy. Coins from the loose change jar flew at all the family members until Michelle saw it. Her dad, super tiny, waving for her attention. She pointed him out to the rest of the family, and they rejoiced, calling Hank Pym to come to their house and help. Pim quickly sped over, threw his shrink ray in reverse, and restored Danny Tanner to his full size. The family asked why Danny didn't get their attention sooner, and he regaled them of the tale of how long it takes a mini person to walk from the studio of Wake Up San Francisco to their house, all the dangers of being microscopic, and the challenges of getting a full-size person's attention. Besides, he said, he has never been able to get into the baseboards so well to clean them, or even been small enough to give the loose change a deep clean. So that took a full week right there, and it was like a little mini holiday for Danny. The family shook their heads and laughed, and all was right in the Tanner household once more. The end. Nice. Thank you. A very sweet story. Mine is, uh, mine is different. Okay. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to have to take another break before we get to mine. But before we do that, I am just going to preface this all right. by saying I started off with a fun idea. And then it turned into more like a Twilight Zone episode. So just a heads up for all you listeners out there. Things are going to get unsettlingly weird when we come back from break and I do my version of this mashup. So just thought I'd put that out there before we get to it. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. All right, we're back, Jonathan. Um, regale us with you your ready? weird tale. I mean, as ready as I'll ever be. Okay. Mine is called Ant House. Already creepy. (laughs) Scott Lang has a problem. He's had to jump on into the quantum realm again because he totes lost his watch in there and it was a gift from his daughter, whom he's still trying to reconnect with after being apart from her for five years. Footnote. This is referencing the end of phase three of the MCU. So if you don't know what's happening, you need to go back and watch uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, Infinity War and Endgame, and and that'll explain that. Okay, back to it. <clears throat> but the quantum realm is a really weird place, filled with unexpected dangers and crossroads. And while Lang is heading to where he thinks he came into the quantum realm, he makes a wrong turn, and he emerges into San Francisco, but not the San Francisco that was his home. 
No, he's in a different house, in a different version of San Francisco. He returns to his normal size to see a whole bunch of people staring at him as they sit at a dinner table. There's three men and two young girls and a bebe in a high chair, (laughs) and they're all staring at him. But what makes this even more unsettling is the laughter. Yes, laughter. Scott hears laughter coming from everywhere and nowhere. Not from the family who are staring at him, some with forks halfway to their mouths. No, this laughter is coming from somewhere else. Also, weirdly enough, the family is sitting around the table in a way so that none of them have their back to one specific wall for some reason. Anyway, Scott says, Whoa, sorry about that. Uh, Let me just get out of your way. And the younger of the two girls suddenly pipes up and says, Are you the clown? Clown? Asks Scott. For the birthday party. For Uncle Jesse, says the younger girl. Again, that unsettling laughter from everywhere and nowhere. A clown? For my birthday? Asks a man with a mullet. Have mercy. I'm glad we both got the have mercy joke in there. Again, more laughter. And Scott's getting a really bad feeling. Come on, guys. If Danny were to hire a clown for Jesse, he would have to come to me first, says another man in an outlandishly tacky shirt. Cut it out. The man does this dumb thing with his hand as he says each word. And again, that laughter. Maybe you could explain what you're doing in our house, says the third man, a fellow with a perplexed look on his face. He appears to be a typical American dad, if you go by what passed for typical American dad in the mid-1980s on television. White, affable, somewhat over his head, inexplicably living in a house that he could not possibly afford. Um, well, that's... Hard to say, says Scott. I'm Ant-Man. Ant-Man, says the older of the two girls. Ant-Man? Yet more laughter. Scott feels himself sweating, which is making the inside of his helmet a little foggy. Um, it doesn't matter. I didn't mean to intrude. I'll be on my way, says Scott. No, 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 stay, says the younger of the two girls. Can he stay, Daddy? She says to the very typical American dad type fellow. Well, I don't know if that would be the best idea, the man starts to say. But just last week, says the younger girl, weren't you explaining that it's important to show compassion and kindness to people when they're in need? I feel like an entire half hour of our lives was dedicated to saying that very thing. It was more like 22 minutes, says the man in the outlandish shirt. The American dad dude looks at his daughter and he says, Hi, he says to Scott. I'm Danny. This is Jesse, he points to the mullet dude. This is Joey, he points to the tacky dude. And these are my daughters, DJ, the older one, Stephanie, the younger one, and Michelle, the bebe. Scott, this whole time, has been trying to activate his tech to send himself back to the quantum realm, but it's not happening. It's just this buzzing noise and then a message saying that the tech needs time to recharge. Gosh, you're fidgety, says Stephanie. 
How rude. Again, that laughter. Okay, I just have to ask, what is that? Says Scott. What is what? Says Jesse the mullet. The, the laughs. Where are the laughs coming from? Says Scott. In this house? Right here, my friend, says Joey, pointing at himself with both thumbs. And indeed, there is laughter, but again, none of it is coming from the family. Danny stares at Scott. I feel better about having this guy in my home already. More laughs, and then something really weird happens. Scott hears music, and then suddenly he's not in the kitchen anymore. In fact, it appears as though time has jumped. It's now morning, and there he is, laid out on a couch, under a blanket, still in his Ant-Man costume. He sits up, and Danny is right there. What did... What happened? asks Scott. You spent the night, mysterious ant person, in my house, says Danny. And as he talks, we see Stephanie walk down the stairs. Without telling us who you are, continues Danny, or why you broke in. And then he sees Stephanie. And it was absolutely lovely. And Stephanie grins. And now it's time to fight crime. And Scott does a double take. You fight crime? Stephanie says, today we do. Tomorrow it's ballet, and then on Monday it's school, but after school it's being a vet. Danny says to Stephanie, can I have a little moment to chat with our guest? Maybe you can go get some breakfast. Okie dokie, says Stephanie, and she exits. I'm really sorry for all this, says Scott. I'll leave. You can't, says Danny quietly. I can't? Why not? asks Scott. It won't let you. Not until there's a resolution, says Danny, looking around nervously. What are you talking about? asks Scott. And then he hears it, in the room next door, the kitchen. Laughter. Followed by a loud, how rude, and more laughter. Okay, listen close, says Danny. You're trapped in a TV show. Wait, what? says Scott. A TV show, stresses Danny. You are stuck in a family sitcom show. I don't know how you got here because you clearly don't belong, but now you're here and the show won't let you leave, not unless it fits the plot. Well, that's nuts, says Scott. And he gets off the couch and he walks quickly to the door and he opens it and he takes three steps outside and then there's nothing. An empty white void stretches out in all directions, save for back into the house, which he hurriedly goes back to. Okay, says Scott. I think I see what you mean. And Danny says, stop. The scene is going to shift back here into this room in a second, and we won't be able to talk like this. And sure enough, a moment later, Jesse comes into the living room, followed by Joey, the two being pursued by an irritated Stephanie. And for the rest of the day, Scott does his best to try and navigate what is unfolding to be an episode of a really cheesy family sitcom from the mid-1980s, with a super heavy hand on the laugh track button. He helps DJ deal with a self-esteem issue. He entertains Stephanie. He teaches Jesse a new guitar lick, and he lets Joey test out his new material, all while Danny watches quietly, nodding knowingly. Toward the end of the day, the whole group is sitting around. You know, Ant-Man, says DJ, I'm sorry I was suspicious of you. You really helped me out. Danny takes the ball. Sometimes it takes looking under a person's exterior to really know what they're about. 
Of course, says Scott, you can't see under mine because I've got a secret identity. Laughter. And not just from everywhere. The folks in the room are laughing too. And Danny catches Scott's eye and gives an urgent nod. Well, says Scott, I should probably get moving. I got a lot of crime left to fight. And Stephanie looks at him and Scott adds, though we put a real serious dent in it today, didn't we, partner? And Stephanie gives a big thumbs up. I'll see you guys around, says Scott, who takes a deep breath and heads out the door. And as he does, his suit hums loudly, apparently energized, and he hits the switch, sending him back into the quantum realm, away from this weird universe. And in the quantum realm, he faces a new challenge. Standing in front of him is a mysterious man, a man who has lived many lives and who now represents a true danger to Scott. It's Phil Connors, the weatherman, and Scott knows what day it is. Oh, yes, it's February 2nd. Groundhog Day! The end. (laughs) You see, I was worried it was going to be, like, bleak and dark and depressing, but... (laughs) um, First, I had to remind myself that DJ's boyfriend was not Paul Rudd. Uh, in full house <laughs> because uh, I feel like Paul Red's version of Scott Lang would fit perfect. Like he could be all three dads in one, right? Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I thought well, that was- that's the other thing is that I I specifically didn't look because one of the things I was thinking was I'm almost certain Paul Rudd must have shown up in an episode of Full House at some point simply because he was in everything. You know, even if it was just for a second. But um, I did I purposefully did not look into that. Um, I think he did at one point. Uh, it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Oh man. Not even for a second, but yeah, it was, I started off with that and it was just going to be zany and silly, but then you know what, you know, the things that influenced this particular writing exercise for me were uh, twilight zone and WandaVision. Gotcha. Those were like, those were like the things that kind of, and then of course I was like, how can I work Bill Murray into this? <laughs> well, I loved it all. I thought it was fantastic. I'm getting Thank to you. the bottom of this full house. If I can spell. Well, we're going to have to do that off mic, Ariel. We don't have time. We're he's already not, over 50 not, minutes. He's not, even, We've been, he's, not even, he's not even pulling in. There, we're done. Uh, so okay. <laughs> if you find out that I was wrong and Paul Rudd was in fact in full house, you should write us and tell us. Uh, you should write us and tell us also if you have topics you'd like us to talk about, have your own opinions on things we've already talked about, have ideas for mashups, or have a mashup of your own that you'd like us to read on the air. Yes, if you want to tell me that I'm wrong about Encanto and that the resolution was absolutely perfect and that I'm I'm You're far wrong too about Encanto and the resolution was absolutely perfect and you're far too narrow-minded. If you're not, if you're not Ariel and you still want to say that you can feel free to do that. Or, you know, if you have your own take on what you thought about the matrix, like I said, I liked what the movie was about, not the actual movie. Then let me know, let Ariel know. And the best way to do that, send an email. That email address for our show is LNC at iHeartMedia.com. You can also drop us a line on the social media networks and Ariel will see it and I will not. But you can go, uh, actually, I will see it on Twitter because I'm still on that one. Twitter, we're LNC underscore podcast. And at Facebook and Instagram, we are Large Nerdron Collider. He'll see it anyhow because I will share it with him. Uh, but until next time, I have been Ariel Ousecream Caston. And I have been Jonathan Cut It Out Strickland.
The Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. The show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.